Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Abigail 13. Support Switchcraft and my other content at patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. The dev for SteamWorld Dig has been interviewed, and they were talking about how publishing for Nintendo has changed. Um, They said publishing for Nintendo consoles in the past has been not a nightmare, but pretty close. Um, they then went on to talk about how that they had to build different versions of the game for each region and each region has its own QA. And if you fail any of the QA, you lose your QA spot. You get pushed to the back of the line and you got to start over. Uh, he said it was really tough to do. They said they, when, then they went on to say, but with the switch, we only have to make one version of the game. There's only one launch. That's one version for the whole world. Um, so They have the same version for U.S., Europe, and a little bit later they'll have Japan and China as well. And they said it saves a whole lot of work. Uh, It means that they can do the translations themselves. They don't need to have a new publisher for a specific region. So it's going to be a lot easier. So I think that this is a very good sign that's going to tell us that we're going to be seeing more smaller um, titles on the Switch. Uh, He then went on to say, even Nintendo's approach as to how they get new indies to join the Switch family. Uh, Nowadays, if they see a good game at a convention, they just walk straight up to them and say, hey, we want you on our system. So what do you say? How can we make this happen? That's awesome. That's a really good thing to happen. Apparently, that had not ever really happened before. Um, He went on to, he continued to say that the Switch is not as powerful as the PS4 or Xbox Xbox One, but it's pretty damn close. I don't know about that, uh, but then he said that um, I think if developers put their minds to it and optimize the game for the Switch, it can run anything. Now, this is coming from somebody who knows what they're doing. They've made, um, they made SteamWorld Dig on multiple systems, and they know how to optimize their their software for various platforms. They also are not the developers that make the kind of game that uses all the whiz-bang effects, though, either. Their games are pretty, but they tend to be 2D stuff. I am really looking forward to SteamWorld Dig 2, and I'm really looking for... I, this news makes me look forward to the indie games, and I don't like calling them indie games because they are just still games, but games from smaller developers being on the switch and having it be a much easier road for them to travel because before it's harder for smaller developers because they don't have the buckets of money that the big developers have and the big developers were ignoring the switch because or not the switch but nintendo stuff because there just weren't weren't enough we use out in the uh in the market so hopefully the switch sells well the big developers will develop for it because there's lots of them out there. That means lots of people to buy their games. 
and the third-party developers or the smaller developers will develop for it because it's not as hard to do. So if you don't listen to my other show, which is Run Jump Stomp, and you should listen to it, it's at runjumpstomp.com slash listen. Um, we talked this week a little bit about how Persona 5 is restricting the way that streamers and YouTubers can uh, share their game. Um, if you want to know our whole opinion on that and what we said about it, the, head on over to uh, runjumpstomp.com slash listen and check it out. This is a Nintendo show, so I'm going to be focusing on how this affects Nintendo stuff. Apparently, there was rumors that um, Puyo Puyo Tetris would be restricted in the same way. And a website called Segabits reached out to the developer and they said, actually, that's only in Japan. Uh, we highly recommend, or I'm sorry, we highly encourage our American and European fans to stream Puyo Puyo Tetris when it comes out. There are no PS4 share button restrictions. We want them to share their experiences with the world, but we do ask them to please be conscious of revealing adventure mode story cutscenes. So that last sentence made me really nervous, and then I continued to read the article the guy from Segabits did the right thing, and they asked them, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, no, we're not going to restrict anything. We just want people to be aware that there are story spoilers if they stream it. So what what you should do, or, or, he didn't say this, but my guess is what he's saying you should do is that if you're streaming it, when a cutscene comes up, just say, hey, guys, you might get spoiled here, you know, because it, it looks like a puzzle game. And like when you're playing through the puzzle stuff, I mean, it is a puzzle game. But when you're playing through the puzzle stuff, people aren't going to know like where you are in the game when they load up your stream. Um, so you might want to let them know, hey, guys, there's a cutscene. Uh, this is story mode. Uh, so if you don't want to be spoiled on the story, how interesting could the story be on a puzzle game? I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is baffling to me. Um, but hey, guys, you're going to see some spoilers if you're here. So, you know, be careful. And, um, People are sensitive to spoilers, and so I, I appreciate that. But I also appreciate that uh, this developer understands that word of mouth is a very, very big deal for selling games. And streaming is basically the best word of mouth you can get. Graceful Explosion Machine is now out. It's on the Nintendo eShop for $12.99. This is a digital-only game. And if you aren't aware of it, it is a bullet hell shooter. Uh, looks like looks to be a side scroller. Uh, one thing that I do like is that you are. It's not a twin stick shooter, even though it kind of looks like one. So you're not shooting in all directions. You're either shooting left or you're shooting right. Your screen will be filled with enemy bullets that you have to avoid while trying to score hits on the enemy. This game looks beautiful. Like they really have got some colors popping off the screen. And for twelve ninety nine, it looks fantastic. I it it's really hard for me not to pull the trigger and and pick this game up for thirteen dollars. It looks really fun, but hey, it it's not going to get any more expensive. It's getting some pretty good reviews, and I want to pick it up, but I'm going to wait because I've just got too much to play right now. I talked about that a little bit on the last episode. I've got so much stuff to play, it's hard for me to get through it all, especially with Zelda taking up so much of my time. But anyway, if Graceful Explosion Machine, if you like bullet hell shooters, then Graceful Explosion Machine, or Gem as people are calling it, 
uh, is out now, and it's only 13 bucks. So if you are waiting to pull the trigger on something new, this looks like a fun game, and I think that you'll enjoy it. All right, the last section in the news isn't really news. It's just an anecdotal thing that surprised me. So I was at work yesterday. Uh, I'm a teacher, for those of you that didn't know. And we were just kind of wrapping up the, you know, the announcements had come on and my students were putting their stuff in their backpacks and getting ready to leave. And they were kind of, we were all having a conversation about what was going on this weekend. And some of them were like, well, I've got a track meet or I've got a lacrosse game or I've got to help my grandparents move or stuff like that. And they were all talking about how it was all going to be terrible because the weather is supposed to be pretty nasty this weekend, really cold especially for April. Come on, weather. Knock it off. And somebody said, well, what are you going to do this week? And I said, or this weekend. And I said, I'm probably going to stay inside all weekend and play video games. And one of them said, well, what are you going to play? I go, lots of games, lots of different games. And somebody said, Breath of the Wild. And I said, yes. And like immediately, probably I would say 40% of the boys in the class their eyes lit up and they said, you've got a switch. And they were all really excited about it. And I said, I am actually surprised that you guys know what a switch is. And they said, why is that? I said, because most, most, most people your age really only care about like call of duty and things like that. And they said, no, the switch is blown up. And that really surprised me to hear that coming from a teenager. Like they are hyped about the switch. And I had multiples, uh, multiple, uh, kids in the class ask, should I buy one? And I, you know, I gave him the, the same response uh, that I give everybody who asks me if it's worth it. If you've got $300 to spend and you want to play the Zelda game and you want to play the other Nintendo stuff that's coming out down the line, then you absolutely should get a Switch because it is my favorite console of all time. I know that we're in the quote-unquote honeymoon period, but this machine is fantastic, well-designed, um, feels like a high-end piece of machinery, and I absolutely love playing games on it. And being able to take it with me when I go is just a bonus, and it's a bonus that I use way more than I thought I would. So anyway... I just thought that was interesting. So I've played some more Zelda this week. I beat the last dungeon. Um, it was my favorite. It was the one in the desert, and that's all I'll say about it. Uh, really great. Had a blast. That's all that I'll say about Zelda, because I talked about it the last two episodes a lot. Uh, what I am going to talk about this week is Shovel Knight. And I have been playing a lot of Shovel Knight, but as a two-player game with my son... This is the way to play it. Now, first off, it makes it way harder because there you, you can't hurt the other players, but you can hit the other players and it stuns them for a moment. So if you are trying to do something like fight um, one of those other knights, not I'm not talking about like the um, like the, uh, the the bosses, but like there's knights in the game that have like a shield where they hold the shield up over their head or they hold the shield in front of them and you have to fight them, it's hard to fight them. What what you got to do is you want to try and get one of each player on both sides of that knight so you can bounce them back and forth between you. But the reason it's so much harder is because you just can't predict what the other player is going to do. 
And so sometimes you're, you, you bump into each other too. Like if I, there's, there's collision detection and you can just push somebody off an edge, uh, or into a fire or onto spikes, but it really has been a lot of fun. Now we've done, I think maybe five levels so far and each one takes quite a long time, not because the levels are huge and sprawling, but because we're dying all the time. Um, but we have probably played it five or six nights, and every night we beat one level, or maybe four nights, and like the first night we beat a couple levels, and then the other nights we just beat one each. But every time we, we get up to the uh, the boss, finally, although my son tends to break the uh, save points by accident sometimes, uh, and like we yell at each other all the time. We're like, no, don't do that. You know, and, but it's, it's great. Um, but we get up to the boss and then we fight the boss and, you know, inevitably it kills us a bunch of times and then finally we defeat it. And then afterwards, this is really cool. It'll put the two knights side by side and, um, if it'll show who killed the most enemies and you, you know, the two, the two knights rise up. And whoever killed the most enemies rises up higher. And then it shows total deaths. And the two knights will slide down. And whoever um, died the most will slide down more. And then I'll say total gold picked up. And then the two knights will slide up. And basically, it's like this balancing act. You're like, who's going to be the winner? Even though it's a cooperative game, there's still some winning to it. And I'd like to say that I won every single time. But that would be a lie. Uh, so there's been a whole lot of deaths because of dad and, uh, we're, we've been having an absolute blast with shovel Knight. Um, we're not playing with where you just take the two joy cons off and each person has one. Cause I, that is passable. Like you can play like that and the game would probably play fine like that, but I also have access to a pro controller. So I just take the joy cons off, hand him both joy cons in the joy con grip that's what he's used to anyway, because he has his own switch and that's how he plays Zelda. Uh, and then I'll just hold the pro controller and that's how we would, we play and we're having a blast with the game. And you know, a lot of people say you have to have the pro controller for shovel Knight. I completely disagree because guess what I'm not using on there. I'm not using the D pad. I'm still using the, uh, the left joystick to move around. It is perfectly possible to play that game with without buying the pro controller it's fine it it is a very precise game but you you can control very well with a joystick you don't have to have a d-pad uh, anyway that's my opinion but if you have access to a switch and if you're listening to this you probably do um pick up shovel knight and play it with somebody don't play it solo i mean you could also play it solo but play it with somebody because it's a lot of fun now i'm sure somebody's going to ask me what's the um what's the amiibo do i don't know i don't have the amiibo but i've heard in passing that the shovel knight amiibo allows you allows the second player to have their own custom knight set up so Right now, when we play, we'll both have the same stuff. So we'll both have the same weapons. We'll both have the same helmet. We'll both have the... Not not just looks-wise, but like stats-wise. We'll both have the same set of spells that we have access to. And if you've got the Shovel Knight amiibo, you can save your stuff 
to your amiibo and then bring it into somebody else's game, which I think is kind of cool. Should Snipper Clips have DLC? First off, I think Snipper Clips should have been the pack-in game for the Switch. The characters on screen look like the Joy-Cons. Um, they could have done like a color palette swap and made them red and blue. It would have been even better. And then the game is cheap. You know, it's $20 for sh- um, for Snipper Clips. I couldn't remember the name of the game for a second there. It wonderfully shows off this two-player, built-in two-player fun that comes with having a Switch. And the game is infinitely hilarious to play. The things that you say could be taken out of context. Like, I would really like to like just record somebody playing the game. Only the audio, though. Somebody playing the game and then pepper in Archer phrasing uh, things in there because it's filled with like, all right, get on top of me. No, oh, you got to get, get get a little bit more inside. You know, it's just really filthy and hilarious stuff that you say in a completely innocent way. And so it's really fun. And I've been told I haven't finished it yet. Um, mostly cause it's on my son's, uh, switch and, uh, cause we bought the digital version cause we, I don't think that there is a physical version of the game. Um, but we ended up buying the digital version and his is the one that's usually on the TV. Mine's usually hooked up to my PC. And that was the one where we figured we'll play the most often, or I would be out streaming and him and my wife would want to play snipper clips. So, that's where Snipperclips lives. And so I haven't played it very much. But I've been told there's like four worlds, and each world has 12 levels to it. Uh, I've done the first world completely and probably half of the second world. And I've had a blast. And I've played it both with my wife and with my son. And both times, we solved puzzles in different ways, which is awesome. Now, my question is, should Snipperclips have DLC? Absolutely. This game is something that they need to just put out a new puzzle, sell it for a buck every single month. Like if they are, if these developers are listening and I know you are, they're not listening. Um, but they absolutely every single month sell for three ninety or two ninety nine another sell up one, one level for a dollar. People will buy it. Sell a whole world of 12 puzzles for $10. People will buy it. And if they buy it one level at a time, you'll make more money. But because they'll look at the deal, they'll be like, well, I'm getting two levels for free if I buy the 10-pack. You know, I'm I'm giving you money right here, Snipperclips developers. I don't know who they are. I, I, I know that it wasn't originally made by Nintendo. Nintendo hired somebody who they had seen at a convention. Um, Snipperclips is fantastic and absolutely needs to have DLC. That being said, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm going to. Well, that just about wraps it up for today. If there's a story that I missed, let me know. There's a couple of ways that you can do that. You can send me a message on Twitter. You can use the hashtag AskSwitchCraft, uh, or you can just mention me. That's at RunJumpStomp on Twitter. Uh, You can... 
send an email to runjumpstomp at gmail.com. Just make sure you include Switchcraft in the subject line so that I know that that's what it's for. Otherwise, I might talk about it on my other show, which is just called Run Jump Stomp. You can give us a call at 260-RUN-JUMP. Um, that's 260-786-5867. If you're looking for ways to support the show, uh, you can. I've been asked to set up a Patreon, so I did. Uh, Patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. I set that up, and within 45 minutes, I was already almost halfway to uh, my first goal. The first goal being at $50 a month, I'm going to bring out a fourth episode every week of Switchcraft. So head on over to Patreon.com slash runjumpstomp and find out how you can help us. One thing that I will add is that yesterday, during my Zelda stream, a friend of mine stopped over who also has a Switch and Zelda, and we talked a little bit about our experience with the game. No spoilers, uh, but I'm going to post that as an MP3 that's only available to patrons. So head on over there, and you can check out that audio. It's about, I think it's about 35 to 40 minutes, and we talk about everything from uh, Zelda to Lego City Undercover. So... Check it out, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.